Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome back, everyone, to the Flowtrack Podcast. I'm Kevin Sully. He's Gordon Mack. Podcast at gmail.com is the email address. You can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to audio podcasts. Also, subscribe to the Flowtrack Podcast YouTube channel. Gordon, the way we have this set up now with the video, I don't see you until we literally go live. So it's always a surprise, like, oh, is Gordon going to be going with a hat today? Where? What's going to be his background? It's just I find out when the audience finds out. It's a fun little game. Yeah, well, I'm wearing a hat. That's what I I always <laughs> wear a hat. Basically, I wear a hat when my hair doesn't look good. I don't wear a hat when my hair looks somewhat not good. So it's all just based off the hair. I mean, it's morning, right? I just got out of bed. I'll be honest. It's 9.01 a.m. Central. Woke up at like 8.55. I'm ready to go. Rip-roaring and ready to go. On today's show, we're going to talk about some fast 100-meter men's times. Talk about a positive drug test that could cause some reallocation of the medals in the Olympics. Usain Bolt versus Tyreek Hill. Well, and a train behind Gordon there yeah. in Austin, Texas. So if you weren't awake now, you are. Uh, we'll talk about London Marathon, Boston Marathon. If we have time, we'll talk about pre, but I'm guessing we're going to move that more to a Wednesday full preview because there's so much to talk about with pre. Does that sound okay, Gordon? Gordon is still reeling okay. from the train. <laughs> from the train. That was the train. Uh, that's the train of getting ready for that women's 100 at Pre, which we're going to want to yeah. dive deep into. Probably could do a whole hour on that one race on Wednesday. Maybe we should just do that. Just talking about Shakari versus Jamaica. I'm going back and looking. Historically, has there ever been a more anticipated race at Pre? That's what I'm diving into over the next couple of days. Because you can make the argument, especially since it's post-Olympics with all that's gone on, that that's the most anticipated Prefontaine Classic race. Uh, maybe maybe you want to limit it just to sprints or something like that because you think about Alan Webb going for sub four in the mile and Hishimoka Rouge. And there's been so many iconic races. But I, it's just so weird where it is in the calendar. Anyway, we'll get a chance to talk about that later on. Let's start first with these, these hundreds. Uh, 
over the weekend. And again, if you thought track was over, you are sorely mistaken. We'll first go to the American side of things. Marvin Bracey, Gordon, goes 19.85, equaling his PB in this 100 where he won by over two-tenths into a negative headwind. Now, Bracey, in the lead-up to the trials, he looked like a contender for, for one of those top three spots because he had run a 985 in Miramar. Things seem to be shaping up. First round of the trials, he he looks good, runs a 10 flat, then runs into some issues in the semis and doesn't advance. But you know, since then, he's put together a whole bunch of races, um, raced quite frequently over in Europe and then now in, in Memphis. And I guess it's it's interesting to look at just how different people are approaching the post Olympics season, or in, in his case, the post Olympic trial season. But he's going to come away with the season at least with a pair of nine eighty fives. Yeah, and it's we talked about what ifs last week, like what if this mm. or that happened. What if he isn't injured in that semifinal because he pulled up in the semifinal, runs a seventeen second hundred. You look at the results of that 100-meter final at the trials. It was Bromel, then Baker, then Olympic silver medalist Fred Curley got mm-hmm. third. Now, I'm not saying Bracey would have bumped out Curley, but, I mean, it was a possibility if he was sharp and running a 9, if he was running 9-8 in the final. Clearly, he's been able to show he can run 9-8 more than one time. Mm-hmm. And it's just thinking about all of the permutations of what would have happened if Marvin Bracey is on that team, Fred Curley is the one getting fourth. Then all of a sudden, Curley is like going into that 200 at the trials with me like, I need to make the trials. I need to make the team the 200. That shifts everything around. I was just, you know, crazy things happen, especially when you see people who get third place in a qualification, like a trials, or are the last one in on time, mm-hmm. in like a, a 1500, and then they go on to medal. Like yeah. uh, Josh Kerr, he almost like failed in the first round of the 1500. Like a lot of people passed him, and he got in on time, I believe, in the 1500 in the first round. I could be wrong, at mm-hmm. the Olympic Games. And then two rounds later, he's an Olympic medalist. And then you see something like here, like what if Marvin Bracey was didn't pull up in that semi and he runs nine eight in the final, and for some reason Fred Curley gets knocked out into fourth. We never have this awesome Fred Curley story. Uh, it just mm-hmm. shows how crazy this sport is. And Marvin Bracey, man, he he he's he's not going anywhere, right? You you think maybe there was a flash in the pan in his early season was nine eight. It mm-hmm. isn't able to kind of hold it together at the trials, but clearly it was not a talent issue at the trials. It was just a legitimate, you know, muscle pull or whatever caused him to pull mm-hmm. up in that semi. And he comes back and runs nine eight. And if he stays a nine eight guy going into yeah. next year, we're gonna have a multiple. We're gonna have three nine eight guys, a nine seven guy, a Christian Coleman, and mm-hmm. you know some young kid coming in, Noah Lyles, if he wants to try to get back in the hundred. Ben Eric coming off of a silver medal in the 200. It's just going to be wild when he just added more and more depth to this men's 100 or the men's sprint field going into yeah. 2022. And I saw 
they're talking about him not being on the the Prefontaine star list because right now they announced the men's right after we got done recording. Right after we did the races we wanted to see in the end of 2021, they released a whole bunch of races and they ended up being eerily similar to the ones we wanted to see. I mean, I'm not saying that they listened live to the show and then booked people. That would be a coincidence. But the men's 100 right now pretty has Baker, Bromel, DeGrasse, Gatlin, Gillespie, Curley, Norman, Sambine, and Young. So obviously a star-studded field there, a lot to watch for. But I hope that Bracey at, at some point finds himself in there, – there's opportunities beyond pretty this year but it'd be nice to see him go back to that track against this top flight field and see if he can put up another 9-8 because you make a good point about 9-8 like 9 is what you need right now Nine sevens are obviously put you in another stratosphere we saw that with coleman in 2019 but we just saw a guy win an olympic gold uh with a 9-8 if you can be consistent at 9-8 you're going to be in in, in business. And the thing that people forget about Bracey, he's only 27. He was so good, so young that I think we thought, okay, this is, this is it. He's like well past his prime, but he's still only 27. He had a, quite a few seasons where he, he didn't race fully because of injuries or I know the football thing. So I, I wondered how can the, the question with him is how consistent can he be over the next year or two because we've seen him at his peak the question is can he consistently hit those marks i mean i think he can i think having this second nine eight coming out coming out of the olympics especially coming off the olympic trial disappointment that he had is gonna he's gonna be able to ride this into 2022 and consistently i think consistently be a contender going into the the next trials and that's going to be a really hard team to make obviously mm-hmm. coleman has the buy so you don't have to really worry about the addition of coleman but you know, maybe marvin bracy is you didn't have to worry about coleman this year too and it was still a really hard team to make that's maybe you have to maybe marvin bracy needs to tell fred curly hey man don't worry about the hundred just like go do the 200 or the 400 maybe some bank borrowing and dealing i mean because baker's yeah. not going anywhere obviously bromel's not going anywhere and there's going to be some new guys that come in. So, yeah, uh, nine eight five. He's now run it twice. Yeah, second time into a headwind. It's legit. <laughs> so it's exciting. And uh, you know, I remember Bromel when I interviewed him uh, early on in the season. He was talking about how he thought that him and Bracey were going to go one two at the Olympic trials. Obviously, didn't work out because of injury. But hey, I could maybe he wasn't. Maybe he wasn't too crazy to say that because um, mm-hmm. if he if he runs a nine eight five in the Olympic trials, maybe they do go one two, right? Yeah. You, well, he's, he's, Marvin Bracey is showing you that maybe it was more the injury than the talent that made him come up short after he runs a nine eight five back now in August. So. How about that sprint group as a whole? Bracey, Bromel, and DeGrasse. Pretty good. Pretty good top three in, in that group. Pretty intense yeah. practices, I'm guessing. The other 9-8 this weekend came from Kenyan Ferdinand Omanyala Omurwa, who ran 9.86, Gordon. First Kenyan under 10 seconds in the 100. And he hinted at this back in Tokyo. 
He made it to the semis, ran 10 flat for a PB at the Olympics. Then this weekend, he runs a 9.96 in the prelims and then knocks another 10th off to run 9.86 in, in the finals. So big day for Kenyon Spring. This guy has an interesting story. He's had like a whole career in the span of a couple years because he was a, a rugby player turned sprinter in 2017. He had a doping positive, so he's out for 14 months, then comes back this year, almost makes the final, and now is the first Kenyan man under under 10 seconds. Well under 10 seconds, too. There's breaking it, and then there's smashing. He smashed it. Yeah, and he had a big PB, right? This, he's big, it's a big year for him because you look at his previous two years, 2019, 10.47 was his best. 2020 doesn't count, but 10.32 was his best. And then now 2021, 9.86. It's kind of a, a wild progression, right? Go from 10.32 one year to 10, 10, to 9.86. I'm trying to look at the, the whole year. Let's bring up his whole 2021. So he's running 10.18 to start the season. That's like, whoa, okay. And then he kind of just hovers around the, the 10 twos, 10 fours. Then when he gets to Nigeria, he, he breaks out and has his 10 10 <clears throat> Then he's on a run. But then he goes back to like the 10 teens. And then back to the Olympic Games, 10 10 flat. And then finally now breaking through 996, 986. His entire 2021 looks like the progression of like five years of like an athlete, right? You know, from like, from like a junior year of high school to like junior year of college. That's what his progression looks like. It's like a, you start, you know, figuring it out. Then you have the big breakthrough at the end of one year. Then you go back to the means and then you have another big breakthrough. Uh, but he's doing it all compressed in a two seasons of a, of a indoor and outdoor, not indoor, but winter and spring and summer. So pretty wild. Should we be, not we, but, Hey, Kenya, they're really good at dominating the distance events. Not mm -hmm. the 5K recently because they've all been going to the marathon. But yeah. do you think this could be the start of a new era of East African athletes being able to start becoming more and more relevant in the short sprints? Absolutely. Absolutely. You look at the 100 as a whole at the Olympics, and obviously the story is Jacobs winning it because it's a big surprise. But there were a lot of countries represented by the time the Olympics rolled around. I mean, it wasn't long ago when it was – you could almost pencil in three U.S., three Jamaica into the finals, and that's just not how this, this shook out. And then if you go even people who just missed out, like Omoara, it gets very diverse in terms of – nationalities representing now kenya has been good at a lot of different events for a lot of, uh, you know long like you go back look at their history in the quarter it's really good they've won medals in the 400 meter hurdles uh they've had success in the the, the 200 but i feel javelin. like 10 is yeah javelin yeah exactly i feel like when countries have one successful event group oftentimes that's the spark that's needed to to gain awareness about a sport and spread it around and then more people 
get involved because, hey, maybe I'm not built to be a distance runner. I'm going to be a javelin thrower. And then there's just more exposure and more attention paid to, to the sport. So then it attracts more people. But it is interesting to think, yeah, the men's 5K is just you know, struggled for years and years. Men's 10K hasn't got a gold medal in Olympics going back decades. Like some of these events, it's like Kenya's eventually going to be uh, catching up in terms of relevance in the short stuff. I don't like, 10 is just such a significant barrier to me. In like, it, it's, it's a clear marker between di your diamond league quality. Like you could make, an, if you're sub 10 and you run it at the right time, and, and you show you're a consistent sub 10 person, which we don't know yet because this is only two performances here. That's the marker of you can make an Olympic final in this, in this current era, right? Because you saw he ran 10 flat, <laughs> didn't make it. So we know, we know where that line is drawn now. 10 flat made it in some other heats. But literally, if he had run 990, 998, he would, have been, he would have been in. So this is a significant performance. It's not just them dipping their toe in the water. It's okay, here's a guy that continues on this progression, can be in finals. Yeah. And uh, did, did uh, Kenya have a four-by-one at, like, the World Relays? Did they, I feel like they, did they? I'm not sure. Now you're testing my World Relays knowledge, Gordon. Come which on, is not... you don't know your World Relays almanac? Come on. I know you were there one year, so you should I was. This. Oh, the man, that was, that was fun. I was there, I went there uh, twice. First year I went there, I stayed at a hotel that had really bad bed bugs and oh, my no. feet were just all torn apart on my ankles, just getting bit. So oh, wow. uh, I was able to convince um, the higher ups at Flow to be like, hey guys, I can't sleep here. You gotta let me go stay at the actual athlete hotel, which was the Atlantis Hotel. So I got to stay at the hotel that had a water park. And so I went to a wow. water park the day before the World Relays Finals. It was pretty fun. But my ankles were swollen up from all the bites. But I got to I'm stay at Atlantis in the Bahamas. Anyway, Kenya, okay. back I to got some the podcast. I got, well, so in 20, they said they were going to field the team in 2014, which was the inaugural year, right? And I just looked it up, and they did not. I'm talking about the four-by-one here. Let's see, 2015, did they field the team here? No, they did Travis not. Travis scrolled. Is Kenya on that screen? 2017. I mean, let's just be honest, especially yeah, from a U.S. They perspective. They want the Olympics. It's w it's way easier to put together just some open hundred meter runners than a four by one. Maybe they're looking at the U.S. and they're thinking, "Why do I want to sign up for that?" <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so yeah, they have not been the men's. They have not fielded a men's four by one team at the World Relays in the uh, going back to 2019 or even 20, 2021, right? Because well, the maybe the world race this year. Yep, they might fill the at least maybe a U twenty or U a U twenty world relay a U twenty four by one at the U twenty champs which are this week because it's in Nairobi. So maybe they'll mm -hmm. do one for their home country. So well, and, the, and there's been some talk about where the twenty twenty five world championships will be and the desire to put it in Africa. I think they might end up giving it to Tokyo. Just just a guess, just because they had it. They, They've already built the stadium, and sometimes they do the Olympics and then the World Championships. They roar to the same city after. But if they are going to put it in in Kenya, 
or world championships in the near future, a, a senior championships, you're talking about junior championships, then there'll be a stronger desire to invest in more events. Hold on. I found a cool nugget though. Hit me. World Relays this year. World Relays this year. Do you know how had the fastest time in the prelim or tied for the fastest time in the prelim in the four by one? Italy. 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 Now they lost. It was right in front of us the whole time. It was right in front of us. <laughs> they lost to South Africa. Also, look at that team. DeSalu, Jacobs, Minetti, and Tortu. Is that the same four they ran in Tokyo? I think it is. I don't know. I mean, I, I recognize Tortu and Jacobs. But yeah, it probably is, yeah. Uh, I mean, just a... I put money on South Africa, man, a medal. That should have happened. They won World Relays. They added in Masangawa of Houston. And then they freaking DNF in the prelims. Oh, man, I just keep okay, on thinking on. about was... my bets where it didn't work out. <laughs> uh, okay, so one guy switched out. They had Hada in there. But they, yeah, Tortu, DeSalu, and Jacob. So they had 75% of their team already doing this thing way back in, in May. So some reps there. Argument for team yep. reps. There you have it. Team reps. On the topic of the 4 by one CJ Uja of Great Britain tested positive, Gordon, at a, in a test that was taken during the Olympics. So now he's facing a suspension, which would, of course, throw into doubt Team GB's silver medal in that race, where they narrowly lost to Italy at the line. The substance was Austerine and S23. Now, Uja's released a statement said he was shocked, said he's not a cheat. But oftentimes when you have these positives after the fact, and if the positive is confirmed, the question then turns to, well, are they going to reallocate the medal or how that's going to work? And it turns into this big, long process. This one would be clear cut because the test took place during the Olympics. This would be pretty easy for them to go back and move everybody up. Uh, Canada would right get elevated from bronze to to silver. China would go from fourth into the bronze medal position. So, your you know what the first thing I did. First thing I did was wait. Was Great Britain mm -hmm. in USA's heat because USA was the first team out? Then I could have <laughs> had this whole theory like, well. If there wasn't doping in the Great Britain, maybe USA makes the final, but they weren't. They were in the other heat. So USA still would have not made the final in this situation. Unless they reorganized the heats because they weren't there. And then they Yeah, then in. maybe. Yeah. You know, sit and kick four by one. That's what I'm that's what I'm going for. Uh but we have uh Lamont Jacobs headline here um saying rival Uja's positive test. Um, he wrote accusations of doping. The situation hasn't really affected me that much. I know the sacrifices and hardships I've gone through to get here. And instead I want to enjoy it. hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, that's because people were talking about how he had a former nutritionist who's kind of linked to doping. And then he goes on to say, after seeing the investigation into Uja, I'd say that maybe it's better to look at your own situation first before attacking others. The whole thing makes me smile. So, for those who don't know, uh, Jacobs had a little bit of a fishy headline because 
His former nutritionist is linked linked to steroids. He split up with him apparently after that happened. Mm-hmm. And he he apparently split up with him back early in this year. But then there was another post where they kind of showed connection again after he after he won the Olympic gold. It's all fishy. It's all you know. He said, she said, kind of you know mm-hmm. association. You know, like whatever association. Here, this this report said. Jacob's uh, what what should I read right there? Jacob's drug testing history <laughs> gained newfound relevance on Saturday. Okay, I don't even know what I'm reading. I'm just reading words that Travis is showing. You're doing me. a great job. Okay. You're doing a good job. This former nutritionist is the center of a police investigation into illegal distribution of anabolic steroids. Hey, it's about the distribution and not the, you know, intake of the steroids, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. I didn't inhale. Well, That's the, the classic argument, right? I didn't inhale. There's been ever since that, there's been this well, even I think it even goes beyond this before there was even any articles written. Just the British media is very quick to raise suspicions after yeah. someone they've not heard of wins. So this whole Italy versus Great Britain thing happened this is with funny. Jacobs. And the, then the four by one happens. Right, exactly. <laughs> then the four by one happens. Britain loses by 0.01. And then the person who gets who gets the positive test is on their team and not on Italy's team. So there's this back and forth now going on between Italy and Great Britain. Not sure where it ends. Of course, Uja is protesting his innocence. So we'll see, see what happens there. I mean, it's just, if they do have to allocate the medals, you, you feel bad for the other guys on the team, you know, if they had no, cause this is not, as we talked about before, this, this whole team, it's four people coming together four individuals that you throw together and it, it, it's it's not the same thing as a regular team where you can say oh just you should police yourself um so i would feel i'd feel real bad for the other members on the team just as i have for other members of other relay teams when uh a team member gets uh gets busted and they have to throw out the medals but we will keep track of that one gordon time for your favorite topic now though what you, what's Bolt my favorite topic? Versus oh, Tyreek Hill. There you go. Dan Patrick stirring the pot. He's proposing a 70-meter dash. Usain Bolt uh, went on Dan Patrick's show. Not sure why he didn't try to do this on our show. Usain, if you're watching, you can always come on this podcast. You have an open invitation. But instead, he went went with a lesser-known figure in this guy, Dan Patrick. And <laughs> pa- Patrick said, hey, you know, Tyreek's really good in the 40. You're really good in the 100, meet in the middle, 70 meters. You'll put up a gold medal. So you'll have to give Tyreek one of your gold medals if you lose. And Tyreek will have to put up his Super Bowl ring. And it was funny because Bolt was being real polite because he probably, you know, he's just, he's being Usain Bolt. He's being charming. And he, but he should have been a little more forceful. I mean, he's like, hold on, wait, wait. You're just giving him the victory at 40? You're, we're, just, we're just seeding that point that Tyreek Hill's going to be faster than me. At, at 40, and then he talks about, hey, it's a little slower for me to get out of the blocks, X, Y, and Z. Uh, what do you think? Are we closer to this race happening? No. He said, let's do it. He did the classic, like, LOL, yeah, totally. That would be cool. It's not actually something that he is going to be doing. I mean, he is he is getting into the back and forth with Tyreek Hill. You see this post uh, talking about how his 40 <laughs> time is faster than Tyreek Hill's 40 time. I love it. It's good viral marketing. Whatever Bolt is trying to promote, either it's just his own brand. Maybe he's dropping a merch 
line eventually. But he's trying to get mm-hmm. his his self out in the public eye. He's doing all these interviews with different media outlets. He was on the Pat McAfee show the other recently, like a week or two ago. Now he's on Dan Patrick. Again, open invite. Come on the Flow Track yeah. podcast. We'll talk the about track. Three. We won't be like, "Hey, you run fast, ain't that cool?" Like, we'll actually talk. We'll actually get your takes on. Um, I, dude, it'd be cool to get Bolt to like give his real, real, like true take on like the women's one hundred and what he thinks mm-hmm. of Lane Thompson going up against Shakari. Also, the fact that Lane Thompson might pull off what Bolt did by going the triple double double, which would be wild. We can get into that in twenty twenty four. But anyway, back to Bolt. Um, <laughs> I think he's just being polite. He's, he's not going to race him. He's retired. He has no desire to get in shape. Yeah. He he even said it. He hates like getting in shape. You've said that multiple yeah. times during his run that he hates training. I don't think he's going to like go train just for the moment to do like a viral YouTube video where he could lose and then it all of a sudden ruins his entire legacy, right? So – well, hold on. This, I, you I don't know, think it I mean, his entire legacy. I think his legacy is well, pretty this, solid. Yeah. I don't think, it, true, but he but, would lose. But if he lost, he would not want to lose, right? Would it be and like the whole, um, the whole track and field world would feel let down if the greatest sprinter of all time lost to a football player? It would be yeah, the DK I mean, Metcalf situation, but in reverse times a thousand is what it would be. I mean, it would be like if like. Um, Conor McGregor would lose to Jake Paul in a UFC fight, right? All the UFC fans would be like, we can't lose to Jake Paul. Come on. You know, because mm-hmm. th- we're seeing that right now with, with these like people coming into someone else's sports and be like, hey, I can beat mm-hmm. the best of your best. But beating a retired Usain Bolt is not the same as beating 2016 Usain Bolt. But Bolt, you know, he's going to live off of the the – the resume he created forever. He's going to be, yeah. you know, he's going to be 55 and being like, yeah, I could beat you. I mean, that's what Jordan does. Jordan says he could beat anyone one-on-one, even though Jordan probably could not be. <laughs> I mean, how many people could Jordan beat current NBA players? Could Jordan beat one-on-one? Yeah. I mean, if you not, ask not, Jordan, he'd probably say 90% of them. Yeah. But if you ask reality, he probably only could beat like maybe 10% of them. Because, you know, Bolt's having a good time in Jamaica. Father Time does a- not lie. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> he's promoting a lot of products in Jamaica. He's having fun. You're right. I don't think he wants to come back and train, but he also is very cognizant of his legacy. He's a fan of American football. So I think he follows these guys and he probably hears all the chirping. And I think deep down, it does bother him, just like it bothers a lot of track people when. The sprinting exploits are just dismissed out of hand as, oh, well, there's six guys in the NFL who could run 9-8. That's not a big deal. So if I'm Tyreek Hill, though, you want this to happen because you have absolutely nothing to lose. Yeah. Because you go against the greatest of all time, the expectation is that you'll lose. And Bolt is retired, but I don't think a lot of people know how long he's been retired. Like I had a friend yeah. ask me before the Olympics if Bolt was going to be competing at these Olympics, and the person pays kind of close attention to sports too—not track and field, but they're a, they they are into watching sports. But they just they had no idea because they didn't Four watch years. the 2017 <laughs> World Champ. Well, they didn't watch the World Championships in 2017, and it hasn't been an Olympics. So if things go every four years, then you need to check back in and say, "Hey, is, is this Bolt guy going?" So if I was Tyreek Hill, I'd say I'll do 100. I'll race you in 100. You don't even yeah. need to move the distance down. I'll, I'll go at it in 100. Bolt, 
the most athletic thing we've seen him done recently besides awesome dancing is run this promotional 800, which wasn't very quick, obviously. And the question would be, is can he get in shape? If he could get in shape, I think it would be obviously bolt for the win. But that's just a massive question mark of whether or not he would actually be able to get in shape for a race like this. Here's a question. If Usain Bolt decide not to retire, do you think he could have been able to go all the way to like age 38, 39, the way Justin Gallen is? And be like... His body seemed to be breaking down though. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean... Because that would be wild if he was like not ever bored of what he's done and be like, yeah, I'm going to go another 10 years. I'm going to go to 2024. Let's do I mean, it. From, from what I gather, he wanted to end it at 2016. That's what has been reported. But then sponsors pushed him to 2017 to do one more year. And you saw how 2017 ended up. I mean, he was he was really worn down by that point. I just think Bolt's talents are too many to count, right? And a, a, every athlete at this level has all these these skills. Or, you know, has has all these, you know, insane ability that none of us mere mortals will ever be able to touch. But one thing that other people have on him in his event that he didn't have was just the durability. Now he countered that by being really good at knowing when to race, but there are a lot of years. Remember, remember 2015 when it looked like he was going to lose and Gatlin was clicking off time after time after time and Bolt never looked great. I mean, even go back farther, 2010, he he cut his season short. He lost to Tyson Gay because he had he had back problems back then. So staying healthy has always been an issue for him. So I don't think he was ever built to be the 38-year-old gold medalist. Yeah. His his was you got this window from 08 to 16, maybe stretch to 17. You got those eight years, get everything you can. And it kind of matched his his approach to the sport. Cause as you mentioned before, he didn't like to practice. That wasn't something that, that that he was into. And I think he was able to meld those two things, get the most out of his ability, given given the the small constraints they did have. Remember all those stories when Blake was on the come up and it was like Johan Blake's this insane worker in the group. And then there's also Usain Bolt. And Bolt was just the other guy. Like Bolt was the guy who was not putting in the same amount of time or intensity as 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 Johan Blake. Those were the stories that were written back then. It is weird to think of him in that light. But you could say the same thing, uh, David Odisha, similar thing, right? Like what if what if he was around for a whole other Olympic cycle? Yeah, well, we just haven't seen though like 800-meter runners, milers for that. I guess Nick Willis is kind of showing you can kind of do it. But, you know, we have seen older sprinters. But I don't think yeah. we've seen that many. We haven't seen older – mid-distance once you get older you go all the way to the marathon like it'll be interesting david rudisha becoming a marathoner that would be wild but um (laughs) we have seen the formula for longevity in the short sprints not really longevity in the short distance Mm -hmm. um it'll just be interesting to see what he could you know i think also his dominance was kind of a an excuse not to keep going because if in his sprint in his his dominant tenure run, if it wasn't just all gold, if it was just like some bronze, some gold, some silver, like a typical really good athlete, yeah. like a Justin Gatlin, some bronze, some gold, some silver, then he probably would have kept going, right? 
maybe kind of like Allison Felix. It wasn't like just all gold every year. It was like a little bit of everything. So you want to keep going, kind of just collect and collect and collect the most decorated type thing. Whereas he's like, all right, I went eight for eight. I'm done. You know, where was it? Eight for eight? Yeah. I'm not sure. Yes. Yeah. So basically you're saying he wanted to keep the record intact. And that was the He didn't want to do five years of of bronzes. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Which which makes sense. I just think, yeah, durability was never his strong suit. He made up for it because he was so good and it didn't ultimately matter, but and he was able to time it just right. But yeah, the loss in 17 and then the injury with the four by one, it was a tough way to go out. But I think that was hinting at what was coming next. I was thinking back that year, who who would be more likely to come back? Bolt or Eaton, Ashton Eaton, because remember he retired after the Olympics as well. And I, I always thought, I mean, there was those moments when Bolt was screwing with people, posting on social media, uh, him like videos of him him jogging. I just thought the trajectory of his times was pretty clear where he was going. So I always thought it would be, it would be very unlikely if he came back. I do want to say I think Travis is gone, but um, yeah. During the time that little montage is showing what Bolt is up to, have you seen the music video that he's in called It's a Party? I haven't. I haven't seen it. It's is actually it a banger. I, I, I actually enjoyed the song. It, I thought it was going to be like, ah, he's not singing in it. Someone else is singing in it. He's just dancing in it. But like, good, good, good. if you listen to it once or two times, it's definitely a song that you listen to when you're at the beach or you're like just tubing, you know. You're drinking a, you know, a seltzer or whatever with your boys. I don't know, just whatever, having a Bud Light. I don't know. Like, it's a very like just chill Caribbean style music. I I, I liked it. Check it. Google, okay. YouTube. It's a party. Usain Bolt, and then it's just it's a banger. It's a jam. So I, what's I the that. what's his affiliation with the artist? Uh, maybe he paid for the music video, and so he got okay. to dance in it. That's what I would guess. It's on his own Vivo. Like he has his own Vivo account. Usain Bolt, like you know, you know, Vivo is like your artist. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's the artist is called NJ, I think, but mm -hmm. I think they're using his name Usain Bolt to pretend like it's his song, and more people, more people have heard of Usain Bolt than of NJ. But well, it, it works. Bolt just dances, and the song is just really good. I enjoy it so. Big, big, yeah. big fan of uh, Usain Bolt's music career. It's a party. His promotional career. All it's right. a party. You want to talk about London Marathon Field? Boston Marathon Field? Pretty classic. What do you want to do next? Oh, what do you want to talk about? Let's do Let's wait on pre-classic, I think. Let's just do London. So London and Boston announced their fields. Start first with London on the women's side. Bridget Koskai, world record holder. Coming off the silver medal, we wondered, hey, are people going to do the Olympics and then dive right into the fall marathon? The answer is a definitive yes. So she headlines that field. The other stars in that race include Rosa Derege, Berhani Dababa, Jocelyn Jepkoskai, Valerie Jamelli. Then you go to the men's side of things, an extremely deep race there, again, featuring some people we saw in Tokyo. Not the gold medalist, Elliot Kipchoge, but but you got Berhanu Legese, uh, Mosinat Garamu, Titus Ikiru, Evans Chabet, 
Wale Washahan, Sisse Lemma, who is a DNF in London, uh, and then Shura Katata, who is a or sorry, DNF in uh, Tokyo, who also DNF'd at the Olympics, but he's the defending um, defending champ in in London. You little typo. <laughs> I just I, I switched I switched Tokyo Tokyo and London there in my head, and I I wrote defending Tokyo champ DNF in London. It was the opposite. DNF in Tokyo, defending London champ. Yeah, sure, Katata. Yeah, I mean, Ethiopia didn't really have that great of a showing mm-hmm. um, at the Olympic Games. And this, I feel like, might be their chance for kind of redemption to kind of show a dominant performance at a major marathon. Um, you look at the field, it is fast. It is just so fast. Yeah. I mean, two, 203 flat is the fourth fastest PB. Hell, Two sub two oh four gets you in the top seven. <laughs> Which is like sub two oh four should be the only this should be get you in the top one, right? In any yeah. typical <laughs> major marathon, but sub two oh four gets you in the top seven here. And it's it's gonna be an exciting field. And for those listening, if you live in Canada, mm-hmm. Australia, or the United States of America, you can watch it live on Flowtrack. That's right. We're live streaming this, buddy, in the U.S. So it's going to be a late night on the West Coast and East Coast. But you can watch the London Marathon live in America. Watch incredibly fast East Africans go at it. Watch Bridget Coast Guy, who coming mm-hmm. off of her Olympic silver medal. It's going to be a wild uh, London Marathon, and I'm excited. They, may, they haven't announced the British field yet, I believe. Has it been announced yet? I haven't yeah. seen that yet. I've just yeah. seen the But, internet. you know, there might be some late ads here and there. Obviously, it's a weird marathon season with all of them happening in the fall. And you have a bunch of them happening close to the Olympic Games. Typically, that's not how it normally goes. So, yeah, we don't know if this is the final form of the field, but we know it's going to be fast. London's a fast <laughs> course, and they got fast talent. So it, It's also weird, too, because you have people who ran the Olympics coming back just a couple months later in a field with people who haven't run at all in 2021. So you have the, the rest versus rust debate yeah. here playing out at the London marathon. There's some people who are in between who have run a tune up race here or there, but because the spring marathon schedule was mostly scattered to say the least, you have people like Titus Akiru, 202.57, but that was in the Milan Marathon. So a lot of people didn't really pay attention to their, uh, that result. So how is he going to do in the big race here against all these other sub-204 runners? So that'll be fun to see. Someone like Evan Shabet, 203 flat in that crazy Valencia race at the end of, of 2020. The This fall marathon season is going to be unlike any other. And the London Marathon is just as good as it has been in the past, that seems to be the one constant, but there are also just a ton of fun things to watch for in this race. Boston also announced their field. Gordon, as expected, more of an American presence there. The women's side, Jordan Hesse, Molly Huddle, Des Linden are in that field that features uh, three sub-220 women in Debaba, Kiplagat, and Malese. Then on the men's side, Scott Fobble, Abdi Abdurrahman for the United States. 
top seed based on time is uh, Mengstu of Ethiopia, 204.06. But a lot of I think I lost you there at the end. You said, but a lot of what? You, you were like, said, a lot of familiar lot of... names. Yes. So this may be controversial, and you may get mad at me for bringing this up, but do you think Boston? Uh -oh. I know what you're going to say. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me let, let me guess. Let me let's play a game where Kevin predicts Gordon's bad take. <laughs> Ready? We need to have intro music for this. Maybe we'll get a hey, graphic. What do you think day. my bet? What do you think it's going to be? Your your take's going to be, do major marathons matter as much this year because there's so many on top of each other? No. Oh, really? I do, I, I, I do believe that, but no, that's not it. Mine was okay, let me, conspiracy hold theory. On, hold on. This is tinfoil tin hat. It's more of a tinfoil <laughs> okay. hat theory. Okay. When you look at the international field at Boston – it seems like kind of a smokescreen to kind of pretend you're giving the Americans challenge when really you really just want an American to win. You know, with the women's side of things, right? Yeah, on the women's side. Sure. Listen. I mean, we're, we're talking about they, 2012 PBs. Come on. That's like, stop yes, like that's, listing 2012 PBs as like, hey, top in the field. Sure, sure. But I mean, and Edna Kipagot's one of those 2012 PPs. We just saw her win a road race. She just seems like she's going to be good forever. Yeah, this is always the challenge. When you're scheduling opposite London, which they have, and they did it in the spring, and then now they're both in the fall, you're always going to run into this, this issue. The flip side of that is, so basically you're saying this is a winnable race for an American woman? For the Americans, yes. Okay. Who do you think has and the I best think shot? Because you can kind of make arguments for all three. You could that of of those big three. You can kind of make an argument for all three. Yeah, with Hase, Huddle, and Lyndon. Yeah, Lyndon. Yeah, you can make the argument because she's the ultimate gamer. She's super rested, right? She mm -hmm. has like the yeah, she's gamer and super rested experience. Is Linden, she's and experience. Yeah, uh, Huddle. You have like she also is a gamer, but more on the track. And you know, she's coming off of not being able to do the trial, so she is a little more rested. If she can get 100% healthy, you can see her just having she has yet to have her marquee marathon moment, so she's due. That's the argument for Huddle, she's due. And then Hase is just talent that has been kind of sidestruck with injury. And maybe if she's healthy, the talent should come out and it should be able to repeat her 220 performance she did in Chicago in 2017 because she's still young. She's not like on the wrong side of 30 yet, I don't believe. Is she over 30 yet? I'll be wild if Jordan says over 30. Man, that means no. we are old. How old is Jordan say? She's she almost 30. Jordan say she is 29. She turns 30 September. She will be 30 in this race. That is wild. I'm not trying to – it just shows how long she's been in the sport, right? It's just like, whoa. Because I remember 16-year-old Jordan Hesse making the semifinals in the 1500, right, at the trials. Like That's like your first big memory of Jordan Hesse, you know? Yes. Yeah. Whoa.
Time flies. Man, you were on yeah. the right track there for such a long time. You were just doing all this person's going to win because this, this person's going to win because that. Well, and you I just got totally, totally. Well, I'm sorry. Totally I mean, I'm, you just, sometimes you forget, you know, like. This we're, is all, time, we're all time, getting older. Time never stops. Anyway, but yeah, for her say, she has the talent, clearly. Mm -hmm. um, but she has had a lot of bad luck with her, her health. Yeah. And I'm not sure where her health is at right now, but if she can be super strong and healthy and going in. And uh, the right mindset and the talent comes out, she can win. So, yeah, get the experience of Lyndon. She's due in Huddle and the raw talent of Hesay. One of those three, if they have their day, could win. You should be a writer. You just really summed that up. That was good. That was, I make that it up Lincoln on the spot. I just create this in my head in, in real time. I didn't pre no, I know. You spent years thinking about it. It just you never wrote it down, and then you had the opportunity, and it all it all came out. Good job. Okay, so London, Boston, chatted about those. I guess we have a few minutes. Do you want to do pre? A little bit of pre? Uh, I feel like we need to save pre for all all Wednesday. All let's Wednesday. do. So uh, let's preview our pre podcast. So what's, All right, what's so let me preview? tell you about... Let's preview of what we're going to talk about on Wednesday. Okay, so here's the thing. As of right now, the entries are only officially listed on the website in the men's 100, the men's mile, the men's shot, the women's eight, women's 100, women's 15, and women's steeple. So there's over half the events where we don't know who's running. Great. And hopefully awesome. that'll, that'll, that, that'll change, hopefully. By Wednesday. Yeah. That's why you don't. But what are we going to talk about? I mean, we talked about the headliner, that women's 100. But every single one of these races, for a postseason race, not postseason is the wrong word, post-Olympics. You have to just say it's post-Olympics because postseason implies yeah. it's the most important part of the season. But it's, hold on, it's the post-postseason. That's what it is, the post-postseason. Every single one of them is going to be good. Pretty already attracts everybody, all the Nike athletes, pretty much if they want you to go need to show up unless you have a really good excuse. You combine that with all these Olympic rematches and this and the specter of fast times too. I don't know if the weather's going to cooperate, but you know, you have a thing Mo in the eight with capability of running real fast. You have Faith Kipiegon in the 1500 with the capability of running a crazy time uh, in the men's mile. You're going to have Chariot and Ingebrigtsen. Again, we know what they can do when they collab. So th the possibility there is really just fast times. I know it's not the only story going into a race. I know people want to see the matchups, but now, since the big head-to-heads have already happened, I think I lost you again. You said since the big head-to-heads have already happened, and then you cut out. I think a lot of the focus will be on time because – What's a bigger story? I mean, if Chariot gets revenge on Ingebrigtsen again and then puts his record to one, and or now he's yeah, one now now he's uh, twelve and one against Ingebrigtsen. Well, people are like, man, you, but he got you when it counted this year. I, I think more it's it's going to track on the onto the times because, um, the the capability of being really quick is fa is there. But here's the thing: we talked about wanting to see Norman and Bromel one more time, and we're going to get them both in the hundred. So literally yeah. every single race that I've seen the entries for is is going to give us something to talk about. Yeah. 
I, I mean, right now, top three events I'm looking forward to in no particular order. Norman and Bromel in the 100 to see what they can do. Mainly just Norman in the 100. I, if Norman goes out there and runs another 9-8, after seeing <laughs> Bracey run a 9-8, and then we have all these 9-8 guys, and we're going to be like, how did a team, how did a country with like five 9-8 guys not make the Olympic final in the 4 by one It's just going to be laughable, <laughs> right? Uh, then obviously I want, I want to see a thing Mo in that 8. I'm excited to see what she does when she's pushed to time. She has yet to really I, – I truly think she hasn't run an all-out 800 yet this year. And she's undefeated in running the 800. She's going to win, obviously, but now she gets to chase something that she never was told to chase, which is all-time marks, right? Because there's no need to chase an all-time mark in February and April when she ran her Waco 800, right? She was – just she was chasing, I guess, a mark. She was chasing collegiate records, right? Knocking those off. But now that that's done, and now that the U.S. record is already done, the next thing to chase is all-time world records. So that's exciting. And then obviously, the thing that we're going to care about most, and probably the rest of the world's going to care about most, is how does Shakari do in this woman's hundred? It's perfect. You have all three Olympic medalists in the same race, so there's no if, ands, or buts. I mean, a lot of people are going to take the race and say, yes, wherever she carry finishes in this race is where she would have finished at the Olympics. Obviously, that's I mean, not that's really silly. true because that's it's, silly. it's two different races. But for takes purposes, it's going to be good. For Jamaica, when she carry gets beat, it's going to be confirmation. For the U.S., when she carry wins, it's going to be confirmation, right? So either way, it's going to be a confirmation for half – the world mm-hmm. and confirmation for the other half of the world. Um, I'm just excited for it. Uh, I wish I could bet on it to make back my $277. I'm not, I'll let you know what I'll bet. I'll let, I'll, we'll give our official picks on Wednesday of what we think is going to happen in that women's hundred. I have, I you have know, thoughts. I have thoughts. You know what? I, yeah, I know. You think it's going to be slow because just like you predicted at the Olympics. I do think it's going to be slow. That's, See, that's that, is a, that is a take from yours that I would not have guessed if I played the guess Gordon's bad take game. I would not have guessed you just said Sherry Richardson being in a race would make the race slower because faster people make a race slow. I would not have dreamed you. Well, here's the there. thing, though. Here, here's the thing. There is a legitimate chance this, this race is definitely going to be slower than the Olympic final. You know that, right? Oh, well. Yeah, I don't think someone's going right? to run the 10 And so, therefore, five. I could argue, uh, hey, Shakari's no, there. Stop, the race got stop, slower. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> Obviously, it's not Shakari. It's because it's a, Speaking of confirmation a one race bias. final. But, yeah. Well, here's the thing, too. When you talk about gambling, I was thinking about this. Those lines they put out were pretty good. And I know you thought at the beginning, hey, I know a lot about track. Maybe there's some value here. But it turned out you, you were a little bit behind. Not crazy. Like you could have gotten no, beaten by a lot I more. I disagree. But like they they knew what they were doing, but that's probably because they put a lot of time, energy, and research into it. I know with football and stuff, they have crazy advanced algorithms to determine lines. I don't know if they have that with track and field. So I don't think they're just gonna they're not gonna throw up a bunch of meets now just to put track meets out there without doing the requisite research. And the research isn't worth it for them if they're not going to get a bunch of action. Olympics, they'll get action. Pre-classic, yeah, yeah. they're not. They're not. 
likely to get as much. So I could see it not, not end up. Uh, I do think a, a I big reason that I lost my two hundred and seventy-seven dollars is I was always chasing good odds. Like I was never really be like, "What's well, better, I'm chasing bad odds?" Sydney McLaughlin to win. You know, that's not you don't. Okay, cool. You're picking the heavy favorite, and and when I did do that with Grant Holloway and Johannes Better, I lost, which is the ironic part of that. But I was always chasing yeah. like the where do I get two to one, and you know all these extra. Money. But like I was the idiot who was like, "Hey, Ajay Wilson's plus eleven hundred or something like that," and she didn't make the final. You know, like they did good. They would have gotten my money if I bet. <laughs> the only one I thought that was outrageous was I thought Krauser should have been a bigger favorite. But yeah, that, but there was n- like the whole idea that the track nerds could outsmart the bookies. Not true. That's how you. That's how you lose money. I thought you acquitted yourself well to hang in there uh, for as long as you did and not lose, not lose your shirt. But they clearly, those lines were accurate, and you pay attention to track more than ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the population. I don't know. I'm coming home with a lot of money if Johannes Vetter and Grant Holloway win. And if you would have told but me they that, didn't. I know. So I'm saying but they didn't, though. They but didn't, they did. but like I think that's I think I think the I think the odds makers got lucky. I think that was luck. That no, Gordon, they, this is that how you, no. I think you, it was skill. It wasn't skill. Not, to, you won on Tentacles' final jump. You won on Tentacles' yeah. final jump. It could have gone the other way too. You can't. You can't take all the good. good. Breaks he was and, top, and then not all the bad breaks. I know, but that's what that's what gambling is. See, this is the this is why they keep building casinos. <laughs> it wasn't them being good. I just messed up. I'll figure out a solution next time. It's just a slot machine. It's a bad machine. I'm going to take. Uh, hey, I'm going to. I'm going to come back in 2022, and the first right. bet is going to be 277 dollars on whatever the first race is to make all the money back, and then I'm going to be. I'm going to be going. I'm going to be all in. I'm gonna... Look, all I'm saying is. All I'm saying is there. There wasn't outrageous stuff. If you go back and you look at 2016 and maybe even 2012, some British sports books had just some insane lines. Like you could bet on Bolt breaking 19 seconds in a 200. Yeah, that's pretty stupid. I remember. Or you could bet on Bolt World Records in 2016 where nobody who had been paying attention, nobody thought that that was actually a possibility. Yeah. And Grant, you would have had to risked a bunch of money on a lot of those. So. But I'm saying the whole like value thing, I think once they decided to put lines up and commit to them, they made them, they put time into them, which is what they're supposed to do because they don't want to lose all their money to, to you. And I, I mean, I'll be embarrassed. I'm gonna get, it's going to be my mission. I'm going to get the money back. Track isn't going anywhere. I, I may be down now, but as long as I still have a bank account, I will get that $277 back before... <laughs> My time is done here on earth. That's all I know. All right. We'll leave it there. Thanks to Travis for producing first half of the show. Then you just had to see our faces for the second half of the show. It was for a good reason. though. Thanks to Colt for producing. Wednesday, we'll be back to do our pre-classic actual preview. Google, it's a party. (laughs) Google it. It's a good song.